Our prayer is, Lord, fill my cup. I'm going to start the service out a little bit different this morning. I'd like for you to just bow your heads right now and ask God to fill your cup. Would you do that? We, she's singing a beautiful song. It applies to each one of us. Would you ask God right now, Lord, would you please? I'm uh, struggling. I'm uh, worried. I'm overwhelmed. I have this problem. Lord, I just need you this morning, and I'm thankful that God is our answer. Would you believe that he will fill your cup this morning? I trust that you're just not praying in vain, but believe it. Have a believing prayer. You may look up here. Acts chapter 12 this morning. Acts chapter 12. And I don't have to tell you this morning that America is in trouble. America is divided. Uh, America is a mess. And we, we understand that. And I believe that the problem is that we have turned our backs against God. And we're suffering from that today. And I believe that the answer is a lot bigger than we can come up with. The answer is God. Now, we are in a battle. And I don't believe the battle is with uh, your spouse or with uh, your neighbor or your co-worker or your boss. Or, I believe the battle is with um, the devil. And folks... Uh, we need to realize he's seeking whom he may devour. And I believe that we have forgotten that we are in a war. We are in a battle. I'm thankful for the example of the early church in Acts chapter 12. I'm thankful that they turned to God in prayer. When we pray, we're talking to the God of heaven. The one who created all of us. The one who can change everything. And I'm thankful for that. Now, prayer is powerful. But united prayer is more powerful. In Proverbs 14, 34, it says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. R.A. Torrey said this about prayer. He says, Prayer will make a church what it ought to be. More than anything else we can do, prayer will do more to straighten out misunderstandings, unhappy complications in the life of a church than all the councils and conferences ever held. Prayer is the answer. Because prayer gets us in touch with God. Acts chapter 12 this morning. And I'll be reading the first uh, seven verses. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. When he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto him, unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Let's pray. Father, 
I pray you'll quiet our hearts this morning. Help us to understand that uh, you are the answer. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that uh, you have given us this example in your word that we can turn to you in prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Lord, I'm so thankful that uh, you have gathered your people together. And Lord, I'm thankful that the answer is not us. It's not what we can do. It's what you have already done, what you can do. And so, Lord, as we trust in you this morning, give us, Lord, your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know that yesterday they had a prayer march in Washington, D.C. I don't know the exact number of people that turned out, but they marched for two miles and they prayed. And many of these people have committed to praying for our country until the election. I'm so thankful this morning we don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to pray for our country. We can pray for our country this morning. We see the power of prayer in Acts chapter 12. Now, I have uh, read the Bible many times from cover to cover, and I understand this, folks, things look bad now, but the last book of the Bible tells us we have won. Did you hear me? We have won. All right? We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I'm afraid many times we'll walk around like we're defeated and we're discouraged. But, uh, folks, we have won because Christ have, has won. God has won. Uh, if you're taking notes this morning, turn to uh, or write down Persecution of the Church in verse 1. The Bible says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Now, I don't know about you, but my timetable and my watch is a lot different than God's. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but have you ever prayed for something and nothing happened? And you pray again and nothing happens? And you say, God, come on now. Well, that's what happened in the early church. James had been beheaded. They're praying for Peter. Now the Bible says, Now about that time here the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Herod was Agrippa I. He was not a popular king. He was a vicious, cruel, wicked ruler. Now imagine James just had his head taken off. And Peter is in prison. And you've been praying. And nothing happens. And at the last minute, God performs a miracle. I want to encourage you this morning, don't stop praying. Just because you don't see God working in your life doesn't mean he's not working. Keep praying. The word vexed means to torment, to harm. In verse 2, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now we just read that and say, okay, he took off James's head. Folks, I'm sure some of the disciples, I'm sure many of the Christians have seen that happen. I'm sure it brought fear into their hearts. If uh, one of our members got beheaded, tomorrow uh we would be on the phone calling each other up saying hey uh, we better be careful we better pray things look bad verse three and because he saw it pleased the jews like most politicians uh, uh when he killed james by cutting his head off he realized it pleased the jews uh, uh he proceeded further to take peter also then were the days unleavened bread the days of the passover and when he had apprehended, he put him in prison, delivered him to what it is, uh, 16 soldiers or four quarantines, four quarantines of soldiers to keep him intended that Easter 
continue after Easter, bring him forth to the people. So uh, Herod decided, I'm going to take um, Peter. I'm going to put 16 soldiers around him. Not at the same time, but he had four at each stage of the night or day. He had two that Peter was chained to. He had two at the jail uh, door. And so he was making sure that Peter did not escape because in chapter 5 there was a miracle taking place. Peter had escaped. And Herod was not going to let that happen again. So Herod made sure he had 16 soldiers assigned to Peter to keep Peter in prison. You know what I'm thankful for this morning? It doesn't matter what happens to the church. Only thing that can happen is what God allows to happen. And in your life too. It doesn't matter all the threats that have been, you have received. What matters is what God allows to happen. Now why is it that persecution and trials cause us to turn to God? Maybe you're going through a, a time of difficulty right now. It's causing you to turn your eyes upon God. Notice, secondly, not only the persecution of the church, but the prayer of the church. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I don't know about you, but many times I know I need to pray. What happens is your mind is spinning. Have you ever been there before? And you try to pray about something very important, maybe a trial that you're going through, a storm that you're going through. And you're praying really hard, you want to pray really hard, and you know that uh, God's the only answer. And maybe it's a financial need or a health need, or it doesn't matter what kind of need it is, you know that God is the only solution. And so you try to pray, but your mind is spinning, and you're in a state of panic, and you can't pray. Well, I'm thankful that the early church did the best thing. They went to God in prayer. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The situation looked hopeless. And today in America, the situation doesn't look good. But I'm thankful for this. You can pray. And I can pray. What does prayer do? Prayer acknowledges that God exists. So when I pray and you pray, it acknowledges that there is a God. There is a creator that created all of us. And we can trust in that creator. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but it's not too big for God. I'm thankful that there's a God who created us, who's in control of this universe. And we need to pray. Prayer also acknowledges there's someone bigger than us. A lot bigger than us. You know, we have our plans. And all of us, we've uh, thought that we're smarter than God. We may not have verbalized that. But uh, how many times have you prayed to God and you say, God, this is what I desire. And uh, Lord, uh, uh, this is how my plans are. And you know what I found out? God many times doesn't do our plans. Because he has his plan. And his ways are far above our ways. And we just need to trust in him. Prayer submits to God's plan. They knew that instead of panicking, they needed to pray. I notice several things about their prayer. 
It was a passionate prayer. Now, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell how many people were gathered at the prayer meeting. The Bible doesn't tell us how long the prayer meeting lasted, but I believe it was a passionate prayer. The Bible says, prayer was made without ceasing. We talk about prayer a lot. Maybe you even have read devotionals on prayer. But folks, the early church, they prayed. I've been to a lot of prayer meetings in my life. And on vacation, we'd go to prayer meetings on a Wednesday night, and usually the pastor would give out some uh, uh, items to pray for. And then we'd break up to pray, and sometimes I'd pray with someone I didn't know. And usually what would happen, we would pray for five minutes, and then we'd spend the 10 or 15 minutes left over talking about the weather or sports or uh, uh, politics. Folks, I guarantee these people prayed. They had a burden. It was a passionate prayer. Someone said recently they went to the church in uh, underground China and said that when they would pray, their prayer meetings are so different than our prayer meetings because they'd pray with tears. Folks, when was the last time you prayed with tears? You had such a burden that you poured out your heart to God and you said, God, if you don't come through, I'm in trouble. The early church turned to God. They made prayer. It wasn't just going through the emotions. They prayed. They were praying for Peter's release. Their minds did not wander. They didn't think about what they would do after their prayer meeting. I believe they were intense in their prayers. Passionate prayer is the key to getting in touch with God. Instead of coming up with our plans, we need to pray. James 5.16, the effects of fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not only was it passionate prayer, it was persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Spurgeon said this, the habit of prayer is good, but the spirit of prayer is better. The habit of prayer is good, but the spirit of prayer is better. See, the early church prayed. I see also not only was it a persistent prayer, but it was a personal prayer. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You see, there was a reason they prayed. I wonder how many of the Christians did not pray. But they gathered at Mary's house to pray. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says that after Jesus ascended to heaven, the church, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplicates with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. The first thing that the church did after Jesus went to heaven was they prayed. It was a powerful prayer. But I want you to notice, thirdly, the power of the church. They're praying. They're asking God to deliver Peter from prison. 
folks, it was passionate, persistent, personal prayer. When was the last time you poured your heart out to God? The power of the church. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping. Amazing! I promise you this, if somebody would tell you tomorrow you're going to die, you would not sleep very well tonight. But Peter was sleeping. It was Peter that wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I don't know what you're facing in your life. God does. And whatever situation you're facing, God is far greater and more powerful than your problem. In verse 7, Luke writes, And behold, that means we need to pay attention. The angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. Now this is amazing. Peter is a heavy sleeper. Because a light appears and Peter doesn't wake up and the angel of the Lord has to hit Peter. Smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Miracles took place. Peter gets up and his chains fall off. Now the Bible doesn't tell us, but those soldiers that were chained to Peter did not wake up. Then verse 8, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee, and follow me. Now folks, notice this. There are some things that God will not do for you. He's not going to open up the Bible and force you to read it every day. He's not going to make you pray. He's not going to make you tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not going to make you come to church. Peter had to put on his sandals and his robe. God did the rest. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind up thy sandals. And he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And they were past the first and the second ward. They came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. <laughs> now, angel th- uh, Peter thought he was uh, maybe... Uh, half asleep, maybe thought he was in a dream. Uh, Here he is, the angel's taking Peter out. And the iron gate opens by itself. And the angel departs. Now, sometimes we think, you know, if I had just more faith, uh, then I could get out of this situation. Folks, Peter didn't have much faith. Because when the angel came, Peter didn't say, oh, I've been praying that you would get me out of prison. He didn't say that. And we find out the early church, they were shocked too that Peter was released from prison. That's what they were praying for. So it's not based upon our faith. I'm thankful that the early church had enough faith to pray. Peter arrives at the prayer meeting. 
Verse 11, and Peter was come to himself. He said, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. So he gets out there and he goes, oh, I, I, I understand what happened. The angel of the Lord delivered me. I'm free. Then he thought to himself, I should go to Mary's house because I know them. And he didn't know there was a prayer meeting taking place for him. So Peter arrives at the prayer meeting, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now this is humorous, what happens, but was a true event that happened. In verse 13, And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda, so he's, he's banging on the outside gate. And they had probably rode out there to see if there was uh, uh, any guards or uh, to warn them. You know, they were having a prayer meeting. And uh, he knocks on the gate. And Rhoda comes to the gate. And the Bible says, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in. And told how Peter stood before the gate. So she hears Peter's voice. And she runs to the people that are praying. And they said unto her, and what does she say in verse 14? And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. I, I could just see them. Perhaps someone said, Rhoda, go back to the gate. We're praying, praying for Peter's release. And she said, Peter's at the gate. No, you, that's just his ghost. And what they believed in Bible times, that when you died, you had a ghost. And they said, Rhoda, go back to the gates. That's not Peter. We're praying for Peter. And they said unto her, thou art mad. And she constantly confirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they had opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. What were they praying for? Peter's release. And so when they arrived at the gate, they find out that it's Peter. I'm sure Rhoda said, I told you so. See, I was right. <laughs> Verse 17. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their prayer. Peace. Declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James. That'd be the half-brother of Jesus. And to the brethren... And he parted and went into another place. Now, God doesn't always deliver. James was beheaded. I'm sure they prayed for James. But we serve a mighty God this morning. And if there's any hope for America, it's in a God who's in control. In Psalm 97, verse 1, I read yesterday, the righteous should rejoice because the Lord is 
in control. Now, folks, I don't know about your situation. And maybe I know a little bit about some of your situations, but I know this. There's a God that commands all of us to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe he really cares for you? He does. He created you. I was telling my wife this morning, we were reading the devotions together, and I said, you know, so many times as Christians, it's like when you say we're going to bake some muffins together, and I love it when we cook because she measures everything or gives me things to the measuring cups, and she gives me all the ingredients, and that's half the battle right there. And what if I said to her, you know, I don't care what the book says. I don't care what the direction says. I'm just going to put as much salt as I want into these muffins. I promise you this, the muffins would not taste good. What if I said, well, you know, I'll follow the directions except for this point. And I'll put in as much sugar as I want. I like sugar. So I'll jump, just dump a lot of sugar into it. See, pastor, they're not going to come out very good. What if I say, you know, I'm going to skip some of the ingredients. I don't understand baking soda. Why do you need baking soda? Or baking powder? And I've always wondered why or how do they come up with these recipes? They must have uh, had a lot of failures. Folks, there's only one way that God wants us to live our lives. There's only one way. Plan A and B and C does not work for us. And it will never work. Because sometimes we well, well, you know, I'll just do this. If it's not in the Bible, don't do it. It's not going to work. And it doesn't matter how you feel. And it doesn't matter your situation. And it doesn't matter the circumstances. Do what God wants you to do because he created you. And he gave us the instructions, and the instructions are in his word. And it breaks my heart when I see so many Christians that think that they can do things their own way. And it brings anger, and it brings fear and worry. And that's not a product of God's way. Because when we do it God's way, there's peace and there's joy. And there's fellowship with Him. But when we do it our way, there's anger, resentment, and bitterness, and fear, and worry. And God says, do it my way. We've got to go back to Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Do we really know that this morning? Do you really know that? Because many times I'm trying to tell God how to run my life, just like you. And I'm trying to tell God, God, this is what you need to do to make me comfortable and happy. And you know what? God is not concerned about our happiness. He's concerned about our holiness. And according to Romans 8, 28, and then verse 29, he wants to conform us to the image of his son. 
No, I don't know what will happen in the future. I do know this. The Bible says that the hearts of men will wax cold and sin will abound more and more. I don't know if persecution will come to the church. It may. I do know this. We look at the Bible from America's standpoint. And Christians in other countries have been suffering for a long time. And God has spared us from suffering. But there's one thing that God's people ought to do, and that is to pray. We need to pray. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads right now. And right now, I want you to pray for your country, for your life. I want you to pray for your friends. I want you to pray for churches across America. I read one report. One pastor said that through the coronavirus, criticism against him from church members has increased five times. Folks, we are in a battle. If we're going to put on the whole armor of God, part of that armor is prayer.